We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome into the LakersNation.com podcast. I'm Trevor Lane. You can find me on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane or on Instagram at Trevor Lane NBA. Got a lot to talk about today. We've got the Lakers actually making a move on the buyout market. We've got fans booing at Crypto.com Arena. I'm slowly getting used to saying that, but fans booing there. Russell Westbrook reacting to it in a way that well, might make fans boo a little bit more. We'll talk a little bit about that. Plus, we'll talk about the Lakers' future and what that's going to look like moving forward as we prepare for what's going to be a very eventful offseason. Joining me today is Ron Gutterman from LakersNation.com and the NBA front office show as well, which everyone should definitely go subscribe to. Ron, welcome in. We've got we've got a lot to talk about. It's kind of cool that the Lakers actually made a move shortly before we sat down to record, which gives us even more to get into. Yeah, I don't know what this show would have looked like if they didn't make those two moves uh, earlier today. I think it would have been, I think it would have been pretty sad. Just us for thirty minutes uh, venting about how they can't beat the New Orleans Pelicans at this point. So I, I don't know. This this gives us something good to talk about. Is it is it something good? So they they waived DeAndre Jordan, and they are bringing good. in, or they're going to bring in. Good, that that's good. Just good. that's it. Good. <laughs> they waived DeAndre Jordan. Good. End of segment. Perfect. Um, they waived DeAndre Jordan. They're bringing in DJ Augustine. So we know that. There's also another move, which I've yet to see it. So maybe maybe you've seen it and I missed it. They're also bringing in Wenyan Gabriel on a two-way contract, but I've yet to see who they're waving in order to open up that two-way contract, whether it's Mason Jones or Siku Dumboya. Uh, but we'll get to that in a moment. Let's start with the kind of the, the bigger one here. DJ Augustine coming in, DeAndre Jordan going out. What's your just surface level takeaway on on that one uh surface level takeaway is i can't believe deandre jordan's gonna get another shot in the nba <laughs> like i can't believe the it, and and for those who don't know the the philadelphia 76ers are by the way i laughed out loud when i saw this uh adrian wojnarowski tweeted like the story link mm -hmm. and the title was 76ers front runner to land deandre jordan as if it's like as if it's a big free agent sign. Like, the Brooklyn Nets landed Goran Dragic. 
DeAndre Jordan is going to stumble his way into the Philadelphia 76ers rotation. Like that, this is not a, a big moment for the Sixers. Like I, I just can't believe he's getting another shot. It's nothing against him as a dude. He he seems to be very well liked everywhere he goes. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he played yesterday, like or he played Sunday against the the Pelicans. He he can't play anymore. Like he just can't play anymore. He he threw a pass into the tenth row. I mean that was that was beyond belief. Um, but but and I do want to talk a little bit about that 76ers connection there. But as far as Woj goes, he's he's got relationships with a lot of different agents and things. That's this is a lot of, of you know how he gets his scoops and stuff like that. Not that I am I am privy to all of Woj's methods or anything, but sometimes if you're reading between the lines, you can tell when he writes something or tweets something, and you can tell that he is kind of you know, doing a little bit of a, of a favor or trying to pay lip service to, to someone because in the future, he's probably going to get that scoop from that. So I think there is that element to this because you're right. It's, this shouldn't be a big, massive Woj bomb of, oh my gosh, the 76ers are going to get DeAndre Jordan. I have seen 76ers fans on social media already trying to talk themselves into how this is going to be a great thing for them. I, I, I tried to think to myself, okay, he's a big body. If he plays five to 10 minutes a night for them behind Joel Embiid. Is that all that bad? But then I keep going back to, couldn't they, isn't there somebody else that's out there that could be, that can run the center position and, and be better than what Deandre Jordan gives you? Probably. I just think the 76ers have gone into default mode of if the Lakers cut a center, you sign that center. And that's just, that's what you do. They did it with Dwight. They did it with Andre Drummond. And now here they are doing it with, uh, with Deandre Jordan. So I mean, maybe that's just it. That's in their game plan that if the Lakers cut a, cut a center, they have to sign him. Yeah, but, you know, for the Sixers, and we'll, we'll get into all the Lakers stuff, the Lakers side of it with DJ Augustine, but for the Sixers, if you're a Sixers fan, sure, congratulations on landing someone who's taller than seven feet. Like, that's great. But your coach is Doc Rivers, and, and Doc Rivers has an affinity for guys like DeAndre Jordan, and specifically DeAndre Jordan, from their time together sure. with the Clippers. Uh, can you not picture, we know a lot about Doc Rivers because he's been a coach in this league for a lot of years. He's very well respected. But could you not see a moment where it's the second round and and Doc Rivers gives DeAndre Jordan 10 minutes in a playoff game? Like, hmm. he's going to do that, right? Because that's just what Doc Rivers does. He's He's going to play his guys. Oh, man. Yeah, that that's a little scary for 76ers fans. But I mean, look, yeah. 70 look, the 76ers have looked great since they brought in yep. James Harden, so I don't think they can complain too much or anything. But here's the and again, I we're get, we're getting a little too front officey here and not Lakers centric enough, but I, I'll finish with this. DeAndre <laughs> Jordan would make sense for the Nets, for the Heat, for the Bulls, for any team that worries about having enough bigs to throw at Joel Embiid that just wants another big body. Right. And I know that the Bulls just picked up Tristan Thompson and all that. Right. Like if you were a team that just needed another big body to throw at Joel Embiid, the 76ers, they have Joel Embiid. Who do they need another big body for? Are you super worried about Nikola Vucevic? Well, if you put DeAndre Jordan on him, he's just going to rain threes on you. Bam Adebayo is going to run right past him. You're not going to be able to use him for many of these matchups. Jared Allen, maybe. But are you that concerned about Jared Allen? On the offensive end, that you have to put DeAndre Jordan on the floor to defend him? Probably not. 
it, it doesn't make sense from a strategic standpoint other than just, hey, we want a big guy behind Embiid. Yeah, and look, again, DeAndre Jordan's well-liked. So, like, for locker room purposes, you know, there are worse people to have. But if if you're planning on playing him even one minute, there probably was a better way you could have gone with this. Obviously, Paul Millsap has not worked mm-hmm. uh, since that trade went through. Um, they don't really have another option since Andre Drummond went to Brooklyn in that same trade. Uh, so I, I get it, but there are probably better options out there. But, I mean... Going back to the Lakers side of it, which, you know, we, we got to do that here. It's kind of <laughs> tough, but we got to do that. I, I think it is a positive just to not have him anymore because I just, I don't know, it was really sad watching him. I liked DeAndre Jordan a lot, you know, when he was on the Clippers and it was Lob City. Mm-hmm. It was him and Chris Paul and Blake Griffin. Like, I liked him a lot and it's it it got it got pretty sad this year, like watching him try to play. I mean, he's just, he just doesn't have it. He was a guy who relied on his, his athleticism, just doesn't have it anymore. I understood the Lakers thinking, oh, okay, we can recreate JaVale and Dwight with Dwight and DeAndre Jordan, but DeAndre Jordan just doesn't have that in his in his game at this point. So, uh, But for the Lakers side of things, there is actually a big positive here to the 76ers' interest in DeAndre Jordan because it's come out that they might even consider claiming him off of waivers. And this brings me back to why maybe the Lakers did this? Because at the trade deadline, there was a lot of talk of, okay, if the Lakers, if nothing else, they're going to try to pawn off DeAndre Jordan on somebody. They're going to pay somebody, just pay cash and get them to take on DeAndre Jordan's contract. Well, now, as soon as this, they're waving DeAndre Jordan thing came out, John Hollinger was jumping all over them saying, this is complete mismanagement. Why didn't you just get rid of his salary? Now you have to pay DeAndre Jordan for the remainder of the season, pay the luxury taxes on his salary for the remainder of the season. You're going to pay pay DJ Augustine for the remainder of the season, plus the luxury taxes on his salary too. That was the financial implication behind, okay, we just want to just move DeAndre Jordan somewhere else. And then when we sign somebody like a DJ Augustine, then we're not paying luxury taxes on two contracts. We're only paying on one. If he's claimed off of waivers though, the Lakers are going to celebrate because then it doesn't look nearly as bad for the Lakers because the 76ers, he's a veteran minimum. The 76ers will just assume that contract and the Lakers are off the hook. So if that's the case, and maybe the Lakers caught wind of the 76ers are really looking for a big and they might claim DeAndre Jordan, maybe that was the impetus that that caused the Lakers to say, yeah, let, let's do this then. Let's just waive him, knowing that it's probably not going to cost us that much if the 76ers w- really will use a waiver claim on him. Yeah, and I also think there's, there's a part of this where, you know, uh, we said a lot that, oh, they'll just attach some cash to DeAndre Jordan and they'll pawn him off at the deadline. Well, what if the teams that had the open roster spot said, nah, we don't want cash. We want picks. We want a second round pick. The Lakers probably, you know, I don't want to give them too much credit, but they probably looked at it and said, well, if it's between eating the luxury tax on him by waiving him or attaching a second round pick to get off of him, I'd rather hold on to the second round pick and and eat the, you know, four or five million dollars, whatever it is. Um, That felt like what, kind of went down and why it went this way um but yeah i mean if if philly claims him great mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean that's best case scenario right and philly will, will have gotten their guy they will have landed the the big fish in in deandre jordan so good for them physically big fish that's that's what it is Physi- yes. he's actually he's a, he's a big dude uh, <laughs> so 
when we're looking at this with the Lakers, this whole situation, I could very well see where at the trade deadline, the Lakers, if they had the option of if teams, and by the way, this has kind of been out there that a lot of the teams that had room wanted a lot for anybody who was going to use that room. So if the Lakers are staring down, do we part with a second round pick just in order to clear DeAndre Jordan so that we can sign DJ Augustine? And I'm not going to disparage DJ Augustine here, but if is it worth a second round pick to go from DeAndre Jordan to DJ Augustine? Probably no. not. Probably not. So that's where it makes sense from the Lakers standpoint to not do that, to not try to clear up that roster spot. And now perhaps fortuitously they heard, hey, the 76ers will indeed claim him. So you go ahead and make that move. Now, again, that's that's me speculating. I don't know if the Lakers actually heard that or not. I'm just saying if you connect the dots, it kind of makes some sense why suddenly this is happening. Uh, by the way, DeAndre Jordan, of course, getting waived before the deadline, which is which is March 1st today now, uh, before the deadline, which again makes him playoff eligible. Had he been waived, say, March 2nd, then he would not be playoff eligible which with whatever team signed him, which makes him much less desirable of a player to go and sign. But uh, in any event, DJ Augustine, what does he bring to the Lakers? This is a guy who's He's had my eye for a while. He's a guy that I was hoping the Lakers would get as a reserve guard like five years ago and never happened. <laughs> but 34 years old now, so he fits right in with the age age on this team. Yeah. Uh, but he shot 38% from three on his career. Uh, he's a veteran, just a steady backup point guard. And for a Lakers team that hasn't had Kendrick Nunn all year, I, I mean, I guess he could he can help you a little bit in, in that sense. Yeah, I mean... So he's 5'11", uh, he's 34 years old, and if you're talking about things the Lakers need, what is it? It's size and youth, and yeah. he's neither, <laughs> so that's that's not a great start. But he's one of the rare guys who's shooting better from three this year than from two. Uh, he's like 40.6 from from three and like 40.4 from the field or something like that. Yeah, you're right. Um, so he... He, he's shooting the three pretty well. Uh, his defensive, uh, you know, his advanced numbers, whatever you make of, you know, advanced defensive numbers, they're all horrible. Um, he was a much better defender in his prime. But as we know, undersized guards do not age well defensively. Uh, that's kind of what's happened here. But, you know, I, I do think that uh, this sort of tells us a lot about Kendrick Nunn's availability. Like, that's... I can't imagine he played like if he's if he's coming back, you know, they, they said mid to late March. If he's coming back, you know, in two weeks, mid-March, why get DJ Augustine? Well, if, if he's not coming back now, it makes sense to go get DJ Augustine. So that kind of is what that is, what that's telling me. Obviously, I don't know for sure, but that's just that's what that's hinting to me. Yeah, and I think that just none being out so long, like at this point, we've heard late March. Okay, so what's left at that point? You've got like seven or eight games. It's pretty pretty much we're talking about Anthony Davis possible return territory. So you're talking about at best, maybe you throw Kendrick Dunn out there for like five, six games, maybe. That's So if you feel like what, something that you really need on this team is another guy who can space the floor and just competently run an offense. Okay, I guess I can understand why D.J. Augustine was the guy. I think it's also noteworthy that he played for Frank Vogel in Indiana. He played for Frank Vogel in Orlando. So it makes sense that this would be a guy 
that Frank Vogel would want on his team. He's spoken glowingly of him in the past. I did a little, little research and he's spoken very highly of DJ Augustine when he's had opportunities to do so. So it makes sense if the Lakers were looking around at different point guards and Frank Vogel said, if you're going to get a backup point guard, give me DJ Augustine. And that's what the Lakers did. I can say there's other guys out there. You can make an argument. Well, why didn't they just go call up Isaiah Thomas again or Darren Collison or, or whoever? There certainly could have been some other options, but Vogel's <laughs> got familiarity with DJ Augustine. I mean, I don't think that's crazy. Like we're talking about a similar tier of guard. If we're talking about a 5'11 guy who gets burned defensively but can yeah. shoot okay from outside, isn't that, isn't that kind of what we're talking no. about with IT anyway? I mean... With IT more so, like Darren Collison was really bad yes. on the ten day contract. Yeah, he was he was horrible. Like it, it was it was pretty hard to watch. A lot like DeAndre Jordan. It was pretty pretty <laughs> tough. Um Isaiah Thomas still has, you know, some stuff to offer. But yeah, I think DJ Augustine's probably funny. This is probably the first player this season that's been added to this roster that Frank Vogel likes. I like probably, <laughs> right? <laughs> So good for him for finally getting one of his guys in DJ. Uh, we'll see, you know, what type of role he plays. I imagine it's going to be super limited, you know, 10 to 15 minutes a night, mm -hmm. just kind of a secondary ball handler, run the offense competently when when Westbrook's out of the game. Like, it's just a stopgap uh, that to me basically says, like, Kendrick Nunn's probably not coming back, and we're just pushing that to next year. I hope that if nothing else, this reduces LeBron's minutes just be because right now, if Russell Westbrook's off the floor, LeBron pretty much has to be on the floor because you don't really have another guy that can go in there and run the offense. So I'm kind of hoping that even if it's just a few, even if it's just a minute or two or whatever, I'm hoping that this takes some of the burden off of LeBron because let's face it right now. I mean, the season is what it is. The priority should be making sure LeBron gets through it healthy. And if reducing some of those minutes helps at all, Okay, DJ Augustine, let's go. Yeah, I mean, especially for the regular season at this point, like, you know, you're not, you're probably not getting any higher in the standings than eighth. You know, if you went on a really good run, you could get to eighth or seventh. Um, and you're probably not falling below tenth. I mean, like, that's something to think about, but you, you have a pretty strong grasp on nine and ten if you want it. So at this point, it's like, just get through the regular season, be the 8, 9, or 10, and then pray you go on a magical run when the play-in comes around. That's kind of what the, you know, you talked about, like, the expectation has shifted. You know, that's kind of what it is now. Um, and I think DJ Augustine's kind of the perfect guy to just kind of eat minutes and get you to where you need to be. He's fine. Um, he's not a guy they would have traded, like, a pick for or anything at the deadline. But he's fine. He, you know, he does what he needs to do. All right. So let's let's move on here. Let's talk a little bit about our guy Russell Westbrook. And I want to pull up a quote here from him. So sure. the Lakers, they played terribly against the Pelicans. By the way, did you see what the Pelicans Twitter account did? Yeah, I saw uh, our buddy over at the the front office show, Keith Keith Smith. Pretty sure he retweeted he it. He did. He he retweeted it, and then uh. he texted me and said, <laughs> "and said this had me me roaring or something like he was laughing about it." And I was like, "Yeah, the Pelicans have done some pretty lousy things lately, <laughs> or something something like yeah. that." Or I said something so, to that effect, like, "Yeah, I was la was laughing at it from like the perspective of like, because I look at it." So for the, anybody who doesn't know, 
what the Pelicans did is they put in their Twitter account in their bio as beat the Lakers by 28 in Los Angeles as part of their buyout. And somebody called them out on it. And then they responded with like a snarky comment to that, that person. And Keith was, was telling me how he thought it was funny and stuff. And, and look, I get it. it is It is a little bit funny when you get these accounts responding and everything, but I look at it this way, flip it. What if the, if the Lakers beat the Pelicans by 28 and then put that in their Twitter bio, people would be losing their minds and they would be talking about how unprofessional it is and how ridiculous it is and, and all that sort of stuff. But the Pelicans do it and people are like, oh, it's funny because people don't like the Lakers and they, and so they see it as, you know, their comeuppance or, or whatever. It's, I don't know. I, I prefer the team accounts and stuff just stay professional and not get into stuff like that. Uh, see, okay, fine. You know, this is pretty rare. We disagree on All something right. right here on this show. Wow, you guys are hearing a, a pretty rare take here. I actually love, love, love when team accounts do like this. You know, they show some personality a little bit. Uh-huh. Uh, I think that's way more interesting and way funnier. And it just kind of it adds a little something extra. Like, is it dumb? Absolutely. Do the Pelicans have any like ground to stand on in terms of like like having a leg up on the Lakers? No, absolutely not. Like <laughs> right. they literally gifted us a championship. I I have no like, but that moment is very funny to me. Like that that's just very funny. Like putting it in your bio is one thing. And and you know, whatever. You can do that. You could say it's unprofessional, but whatever. But then when you get called out on it. If they were professional and boring, they would have taken it out mm. and just not said anything. But I liked the response. I thought it was funny. Uh, I thought I thought they showed a lot of like the the Pelican social media team showed some personality there. I, I thought it was good. I think it's good for the league just to have like just to have a little bit of livelihood with your teams because team accounts are oftentimes it's just like everything is great. We're all having a good time. Here's highlights. Here's a quote from, from, you know, your favorite player. I kind of like when it's, you know, we, we, as a, the Pelican social media team, we recognize what's happening. We know, and we want you to know that we know, I think it's funny. I think part of it, because when you say that, I think like the Wendy's Twitter account is infamous, right? Because they, they do stuff like that. And I like that account. I think what it is really with me is particularly it's the Pelicans. And I think it's some residual um, disdain for Pelicans fans in general. Um, And I shouldn't feel that way in general because I know it's not all Pelicans fans. But the night Anthony Davis got hurt, I was so disgusted by the response from so many Pelicans fans, at least most of the Pelicans fans that I saw on social media. Again, I should not try to generalize all of them. I'm sure they didn't all act this way, but so many we're celebrating his injury that I'm probably a little bit that's that's lingering a little bit in my reaction to their account doing stuff like that. Sure. Sure, but when when a Pelicans fan is in your mentions talking about Anthony Davis's injury, it's very simple. You have two responses. One, thanks for the championship. Or two, maybe you should focus on your own disgruntled superstar who's injury prone as well. <laughs> Because now, now the Pelicans have another one of those. That's, that's so true. maybe, maybe they should focus on their own guy. <laughs> well, he's not, he's not anywhere near them right now. He's in Portland. So yeah, we'll see what happens there with, with Zion <laughs> Williamson. But in any event, let's talk about Russell Westbrook. Um, 
like Lakers fans, the, the Pelicans, and this is where I diverged here, but the Pelicans uh, beat the Tar off the Lakers, right? Just destroyed them. Yeah. Lost by 28. I, I put out a video yesterday saying, were the Lakers actually disrespectful to basketball? Was that how bad their energy level was? I mean, that's what Richard Jefferson was talking about at halftime. It, it was a horrifying performance from the Lakers. And fans started to boo. Crypto.com Arena fans are booing as this is happening. Russell Westbrook was asked about it after the game, and he gave this, this statement in terms of response. He was asked, is this something that goes home with him? Does it bother you when you leave the arena that you're getting booed? And here's the statement, and there's a certain point where it goes off the rails. So here's what he said. He said, nah, take it home? For what? I don't take it home. I've got three beautiful kids in my house, my wife. I ain't taking it home. They could take their booing and they could take their ass home. So here's the deal. And this is where I think fans are going to be upset about this, right? When he says, no, I've got three beautiful, ki beautiful kids at home, my wife at home. Fine, right? That work-life balance, that's important that you don't take the stress of, of what you're doing at your job and, and bring it home. And all that. Great. Everything he said there was great. But then dismissing the fans booing and saying they can take it home. That's what's not going to sit well. It's that last sentence. If he had just stopped right there, I would have thought, man, that is just a... a that's a spot-on response, a very mature response from Russell Westbrook. But then he kind of throws it back at the fans. When I think in that particular game, the fans were more than justified to boo at what they were seeing take place on the court. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I mean, look, there have been times this year and in previous years where Lakers fans, I've criticized Lakers fans at Staples Center, Crypto.com Arena, um, for booing for bad reason. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't boo a guy when he misses shots because the NBA, you're going to miss shots. Like, they booed Danny Green uh, when he was in a cold streak. Yep. Well, okay, that's Danny Green. He's going to be – he's a shooter. He's going to have cold streaks. Like – they booed Dennis Schroeder when he was hesitant to shoot threes and kind of like and missed a decent amount. Well, OK, you know what? That happens in the NBA. What is OK to boo and what, what will always be OK to boo is a lack of effort. And that's what the Lakers put on display. It's what Russell Westbrook put on display. It's what LeBron put on display. Mm -hmm. They they showed no interest in playing yesterday's game or uh, Sunday's game at this point when you listen to this. Uh, you, they had no interest in playing that game. 
And for fans, a lot of whom probably paid a pretty large sum of money to go to that game, they feel like they were cheated out of their money because they didn't get the same level of investment that they put in. I think it's perfectly justified to boo. So should they boo Dennis Schroeder when he goes 0 for 8 from the field? Uh, you know what? At least Dennis Schroeder tried. Like, we 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 talked a lot of bad stuff about Dennis Schroeder. He tried every night. He was he worked hard on defense. Mm-hmm. He tried. Russell Westbrook, and not just Russell Westbrook, the whole Lakers roster, with the exception of Austin Reeves, Malik Monk, and Stanley Johnson, have a tendency to take nights off. And that's not a good look. Absolutely. And that that night in particular, it was very obvious too. It was it was very obvious that they weren't locked in, they weren't engaged. This team has this tendency where they get hit, they try to make a little comeback run, and if the other team pushes back, they can just oh. shut down. And the Lakers yeah. oh, okay. And, and a lot of it is tied to their shooting too. And I've talked about this previously, but if they're seeing shots not drop, their effort on the other end of the floor will wane in conjunction with that. And that's and that's not good. That's not good at all. Your defense should be your your constant night to night. Like you said, sometimes you just miss shots. That's the NBA. That's the way it goes. It's not like you're going to have the same field goal percentage every single night or three point percentage. But your defensive intensity should be the same. That should be your constant, your baseline that you can run everything else off of is your defense. And the Lakers, their defense is largely tied to whether or not they're making shots. So that because of all of that, I think. The part at the end where he was pretty dismissive of Lakers fans and their boos, that's the part that I think is going to certainly not do anything to mend fences between Russell Westbrook and Lakers fans. I mean, it's already a pretty fractured relationship. And look, everybody's a little frazzled based on the way the season has gone. But when he said that, I went, oh, no, this we see this as rock bottom right now, this Pelicans game for the Lakers. I don't know that it is. Nope. It could get worse. It's possible. It has. It's been worse. I Like, I, I, at a certain point, I think there's been, like, off the top of my head, I didn't go through the schedule. There have been, like, seven rock bottoms this season. And at a certain point, after a certain number of rock bottoms, that's just what your team is. That It's no longer, like... It's no longer anything like that. Like, um, you know, la- uh, two two years ago, the championship team, you know, they they went whatever their regular season record was like fifty two and nineteen or something crazy mm-hmm. like that. They lost two games to the Magic that year. I'm pretty sure. Like, yeah. I'm pretty sure they went zero and two against the Orlando Magic. That's a rock bottom, and that was it. Like, that was just they lost a couple games to the Magic. They rebounded. They moved on. Right. This year, the rock bottoms are so frequent <laughs> that it's like, okay, that's just what you are as a team. Like, you're not you're not a good team that had a rock bottom. You're just a a mediocre team that has good nights and bad nights. At, at this point, we've taken so many rock bottoms that we might as well just take the people's elbow and get the one, two, three, and and call it a night. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I figured Chris the masterpiece masters would like that, but yeah. yeah. In, in, in any event. If with him on, if it was the three of us, that would have that would have been a that would have been a riot. That would have been great. Yep, that would have that would have killed. Know your room. Know your room. All right. Anyway, we'll see where this goes from here. Are the Lakers still going to get booze? I I think that look this Lakers team, as long as they are playing hard, fans aren't going to 
boo. Like, there's going to be people upset if they're losing games. But if this team is giving their all, and you can see that, they're not going to... I don't think there's going to be much in the way of booing. I think it's when we get stuff like we did against the Pelicans, where it's very clear that they're not putting forth the effort. Um, and that potentially, you know, being disrespectful to the game of basketball, if you want to look at it that way. That's where I think they're going to still experience those boos at home. And that's that's embarrassing. That's embarrassing for the players. That's embarrassing for the organization, but rightfully so. Because as fans, like you said, who are paying a lot of money for those seats, you, you expect effort. And that's something that is 100% controllable. You can't expect made shots because that's not always controllable, but you can expect effort. And if we don't see that, I think the Lakers will continue to get booed and Russell Westbrook's remarks probably aren't going to help the situation. Yeah, I mean, like I was in the building uh, last season, game six to the Suns. They lost by a lot of points. It was never really a close game. Um, And yet, you know, they got eliminated in that game. And yet no one booed the whole game. Why did no one boo? Because even though they were about to be eliminated and they were getting blown out on their home floor, everyone in the room recognized that, like, this team really just ran out of gas. They did everything they possibly could have done to to win that series, and they just didn't have the legs to complete a seven-game series. That's just – everyone recognized that, and they there was applause because we, they recognized – the fans recognized the energy and the effort that last year's team put in even though the result wasn't good. It, it ended up not being good. This year, the result is not great, and the effort's not great. Yeah. Bad combination. Bad combination for sure. Uh, it, it just dawned on me that we skipped over Wenyan Gabriel. Didn't talk about, about him. So him coming out on a two-way contract. I've had people messaging me for a while now saying, Siku Dumboya, play him. If Siku Dumboya is not getting minutes, I'm not going to be holding my breath for Wenyan Gabriel to get minutes. But this is the, in terms of just size, playing style, all of that, this is the type of player that we've been recommending the Lakers should try to land this time of the year and just see, see if something clicks. 6'9", power forward, can help you out defending on the perimeter a little bit, can shoot a little bit from from outside as well, uh, shooting 37% for his career from three. But I mean, he's a journeyman. He's bounced around to a lot of different teams. So there's a reason for that as well. But if you're going to gamble on a guy, you want to gamble on a guy who, in theory, is a six foot nine inch wing that's just shy of 25 years old. That's that's the type of gamble you want to take. So again, I'm not expecting him to be on the floor making a big difference for the Lakers or anything like that. But why not audition a guy like this, bring him in, see what he's got, and then go from there? Because this could help you out potentially next season. Yeah, we saw this with Stanley Johnson, mm-hmm. right? Where when when the Lakers signed Stanley, it was like, well, we'll see what he can do. Like, you know, we're not expecting much. You know, there's a reason, you know, the Lakers have him on a 10-day. Like, But it, it goes to show you how much a, a young wing who puts energy and effort on defense, it, it goes a long way on this roster. And so if Wenyan Gabriel gets an opportunity and he shows that same, like, heart that Stanley Johnson shows, uh, yeah, I see no reason why he couldn't get minutes, you know, instead of a Trevor Ariza. But... Of course, that's a that's a long ways away. I don't really see him impacting. I mean, Stanley Johnson is a better player than Wendy Gabriel, so like that's that's a part of it. So we'll just have to see what goes with him. But yeah, uh, congratulations to him on on landing a two way. Yeah, now we'll just wait to see exactly whose spot he got and who's getting 
moved out. Is it Suku Deboya? Is it Mason Jones? We'll, we'll find out. Um, to wrap things up, we've got one more thing we need to talk about here, and that's what do we do moving forward here for the Lakers? What What's going to be their plan heading into the offseason? Uh, there have been some who have been calling for the Lakers to trade LeBron, trade Anthony Davis, and we talked a bit about that and why that's probably unlikely. But, Ron, does, does that mean that we're just destined for a Lakers offseason of going all in? And that means trading away the 2027 first, the 2029 first. All of this stuff is gone in this effort to get try to give LeBron one or maybe two more shots at a championship. Is there is there a flip side to this where this could actually be potentially dangerous for the team? And is there any other real path, though? I mean, it feels like that's it. It's either you're either going to trade LeBron or you go all in and you trade everything that is not nailed down to the floor and do whatever you can to try to fix this roster. Yeah, probably that one, right? Yeah. Like trading LeBron, trading Anthony Davis feels so unlikely. You're not going to get you're not going to get equal value for who they are as players. Um, you're going to have to deal with clutch sports the whole time, breathing down your neck saying, oh, we don't want to go there. We don't want to go there. We only want to go here. There's going to be a lot of that um, and that it's just a hard road to go down. So the only other option is build around LeBron and look, it's LeBron and AD I, for all the, for all the, you know, the problems this season, uh, LeBron and AD have proven that if you put the right people around them, they can like walk to a championship. Literally. I, there was never, there was like maybe three moments that entire 2019, 20 season where it felt like the Lakers maybe weren't the best team, but pretty much the whole year, it felt like they were the best team. So there is a, there's a clear, clear a blueprint on what, what the Lakers need to do. And obviously they're very hamstrung in terms of their flexibility to make that happen and kind of recreate that roster. But that's, that's your only option at this point is find a way because you're probably not trading those guys. LeBron probably wants to stay the next year, two years. Um, AD comes back. Hopefully he gets a full season of health like he did two years ago. And uh, and you can build something. That's that's my concern, right? Okay, so coming out of the 2020 championship, they've made moves, right? They made they bring in Marcus Gasol, Montrezl Harrell, Dennis Schroeder, uh, Wes Matthews. On paper... Those all look good. In fact, again, there were numerous, numerous experts who were saying the Lakers improved more than anybody else in the NBA. It didn't work out, but a lot of that was injury-based. Some of that was fit and things like that. But the bottom line is that the Lakers, it appeared, hit a home run that offseason. Looked great. And again, not everything worked perfectly, but they had built upon that. This last offseason, when they probably should have just kept that team together, they tore things apart so far What's it going to cost to build it back up to where it was? And can they even get anywhere close to where it was? Or have you committed so much in terms of resources? I mean, what's going to be the cost just to move Russell Westbrook off the roster? Because if you don't do that, if you can't move Russell Westbrook off the roster and you've got LeBron, AD, and Russ, you're really limited in what you can do. You're, you're resigned to just, okay, Taylor Horton Tucker and Kendrick Nunn again putting that out there with some first round picks and seeing what you can get. And then the rest of your roster is veteran minimums again. So I question if the Lakers have to look at this and say, what's reality, how, what pieces can we actually get to get back to where we were and fix all the damage that was self-inflicted? Yeah. I mean, it seems like the path forward is to try to do kind of what the wizards did when they traded Russ to LA, 
which is sort of break them up into a few mm-hmm. pieces. Um, you know, you know, break them up into a few mid-sized contracts. Uh, you get probably got to get rid of the fir- both firsts to do that. Uh, then you open up some flexibility under the hard cap. Uh, you can sign, you know, players to a full mid-level instead of a taxpayer mid-level. Uh, you know, you have Kendrick Nunn, who probably is going to pick up that option. You have Taylor Horton Tucker, and all of a sudden, now you have LeBron, AD, and like five players or six players making between eight and twenty million. Well, now okay, even if the players themselves aren't that fantastic, now at least you have some flexibility. You have some things to do. I think that's really sort of the best case scenario. I, I we I talked about this on Spaces. Um, but one thing that I personally, with no sourcing, obviously, of any kind, like just one thing I think is interesting mm-hmm. is if they call Indiana and say, we'll take the the Malcolm Brogdon contract off your hands. We'll take the Buddy Heald contract off your hands. We'll give you Russ and both firsts. So now you have two firsts. You only have to deal with Russ for a year. And we take on two longer and not very favorable contracts in Brogdon and Buddy, both of whom are very good fits next to LeBron and AD when healthy. Brogdon has some injury issues of his own. Yes, Brogdon is consistently injured. Uh, my fantasy yeah. team can tell you that. But but Malcolm Brogdon, though, but I, I love it. I love the idea. I think that's a, those are some interesting fits. I like Malcolm Brogdon a lot. By the way, when he's healthy, he's I think he's fantastic. Um, Buddy Heald, of course, <laughs> the one who got away, right? So are you – and, I mean, we've heard that the, the Lakers, they called up Sacramento not long after getting Russell Westbrook and put him out on the floor and, and said um, – you guys want to do a redo? Are you interested in, in <laughs> us? Uh, that that you know may have may have happened, but in any event, I like that idea. I don't know that the Pacers would actually do it, but I do think that's probably what they're looking to do. Is that you take Russ's contract as an expiring, and just as an expiring, you go try to get some stuff that isn't expiring. You're taking on longer term salary. Uh, that's probably blowing up your cap space for 2023, but that's probably your best shot at winning next season is to get some team that wants cap relief to give you players that in total together combined will be a better fit than Russell Westbrook. And then off you go from there. So we'll see. Like if that deal you proposed is, is was out there. I, I have to strongly consider doing something like that. Yeah. And I mean, there's probably also like, Like I'm sure. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure the Knicks are, are chomping at the bit to get one year of rust for ticket sales. Um, you know, maybe there's something to be had there with like Kemba, Fournier, uh, Burks. I, I don't even know. <laughs> the names get ugly pretty quickly, yeah. but like that's but that's what I'm talking about, where it's like taking guys who aren't very good, but make midsize money and sort of packaging them up, stacking them up the way the Lakers did. And sort of undoing that and regaining some flexibility. Yeah, that's probably the the path forward for the Lakers. We'll see what they can do this offseason if they can manage to to pull that off. I I do wonder, like, one of the things we're gonna have to keep an eye on is what's LeBron's reaction to whatever it is the Lakers do. Because he can't sign an extension with the club until August. So that means that all the the big moves, all their shopping, whatever it is they're going to do, it's going to be done by them. So if the Lakers do all this stuff and then LeBron says, no, thank you to an extension, 
it's going to create a very interesting and perhaps chaotic season because that will mean we're looking ahead at a 2023 free agent free agency for LeBron James after the club just did a bunch of stuff to try to give him a winning team now that that will be that'll be a tough scenario for the Lakers if that winds up being the path we have to go down if LeBron looks around and says eh, the moves that you made not enough that could spell trouble for the Lakers next season and, and beyond when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, and I do think there will be some level of communication oh. where, you know, LeBron says, hey, I can't sign the extension yet, but I will. Don't worry. Just, you know, make sure you do these one or two things that I want. Uh, you know, there, there's probably going to be something along those lines. Um, for LeBron, it really makes sense to sign the extension. Uh, you know, it, it gets you to to LeBron James, to Bronny James Jr.'s uh, draft class. Uh, it lines you up perfectly with Anthony Davis's contract. You know, it, this kind of makes sense. Uh, by the way, Anthony Davis, like, we blinked, and his contract is half over. <laughs> he only has two years left. Yeah. So like, where, where did the time go? <laughs> I felt like I was talking about that extension last night. Like, what happened? Uh, but, yeah, so it lines him up perfectly with Anthony Davis. Like, it makes sense for him to sign that extension. And I think before they make any big moves – there will be communication saying like, yeah, I'm signing it. Make Let's make these types of moves and we're good. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that they'll have to be in communication with LeBron. And that's, it's going to be the big story of the off season because we know, look, as much as LeBron wants to walk back the things that he said at the all-star break and say, what? No, you guys are crazy. I wasn't trying to take, take shots at the Lakers front office. Of course not. Never. You gotta love passive aggressive comments and the ability to try to flip it around. Uh, and look, I'm not saying that that we know exactly what LeBron meant, and maybe it was innocent, right? That I guess that possibility is out there, but I, I, I'm sure that LeBron probably is not thrilled with what happened at the trade deadline. I'm sure that LeBron recognizes that the team's not good enough. And yes, look, LeBron had a hand in creating the team. We know that, but that's water under the bridge. That's that happened. Now it's about what do we do moving forward to fix it. So you know that LeBron's going to be putting pressure on the organization to get something done. And I'm sure the organization's going to be putting pressure on themselves to get something done because the clock is ticking. It's going to be really interesting to see what Rob Pelinka can pull off. And I mean, this offseason, the next eight plus years of the franchise are going to be directly impacted by what they do this summer because of the picks that they're going to be giving up oh man there's a lot riding on them getting this offseason right yeah it, it's time to go back to some of that uh the right process from last offseason and the offseason before it's it's really about time we return to that because that's the only way this this gets solved in any sort of you know relative quickness uh, other than that it's just going to be another if they can't do it, it's just going to be another sad year next year. If this was, because I've seen 
executives around the NBA saying if they were in the Lakers' shoes, they would be looking to trade both LeBron and AD. Is going yeah. all in, and, and it's easier when you are an, an executive of another team saying, oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. I, I would trade tw- trade away those guys. Is trading away everything you've got left, everything that you have any kind of access to, first, second round picks, whatever it is, is that the right process? I mean, it depends what you can get, right? I think like like Buddy Heald, Malcolm Brogdon, that's the right process. Mm-hmm. That's that's players that fit really well alongside your stars. It's players that give you some flexibility in terms of the contracts you can stack up for deals. Like they would be easy to move off later if things went haywire. Like that that's right process in terms of that. The the whole story about, you know, rival executives are saying trade LeBron and AD. That's rival executives saying, I want LeBron and AD. Like, <laughs> I want them on my team, so the Lakers should trade them. If I was the Lakers GM, I'd totally trade them, and I'd trade them to me. <laughs> give them, like, give I, them to me. Like, I, yeah, that's that's how I read that. But, yeah, I mean, it's just that, that would be sort of right process. Obviously, giving up two firsts for that is, like, not super great. But, I mean... Right process is a very relative term this offseason, given all the damage they've done to this point. Oh, they've got a lot to try to fix. A lot to try to fix this summer. We'll see how it goes. But Lakers Nation, give us your thoughts. If you're joining us over on Apple Podcasts, shoot us a review, preferably a five-star review, and let us know your thoughts on what you're expecting out of the Lakers in the coming weeks and, of course, in the offseason as well. If you're watching this over on YouTube, let us know in the comments section down below. Ron, thanks so much for hopping on here. Always fun to have you join for a podcast when we can go a little bit more long-form style and really dive into things. Yeah, it's always a fun conversation, and uh, hopefully they play the Mavericks. For for those of you listening on, on Tuesday, they play the Mavericks tonight. Oh. I will be in the building. Uh, that will be either very fun or extremely ugly. I can't wait to find out which one. I, I sure hope that, that it's the former because – we need it. Let's face it. We need it right now. We need a good Lakers performance. And yes, ease the pain. Ease the pain. All right, everybody. Till next time. See ya and stay safe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.